Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. I quit my job as testing treadmills. I just didn't feel it was going anywhere. My wife said I should do lunges to stay in shape. I said, that would be a big step forward. Oh, anyway. All right, so I took math. All right, so I'm all right. I'm all right at math. That's not really what I'm good at. I'm better at reading and words and all that kind of stuff. I was all right at math. But I, I remember I, I, I took Algebra 1. It was easy. I took Algebra 2, Trigonometry. When I got to Trigonometry, I was lost. Geometry, it was bad. Trigonometry, I was lost. And I remember sitting in class, and there were days I'd be sitting in class, and I'd be saying, I don't get it, I don't get it. And the teacher would explain, explain, explain. I don't get it, and I don't get it. Anybody ever felt that way in your life? Anybody ever felt that way? Sometimes when it comes to religious concepts, we feel that way. We hear all about them, we don't get them. But you know what would happen in trigonometry class? Is then something would happen. I'd either be working with my partner, or the teacher would say something, or I would, all of a sudden, there'd be a click moment, and I'd get it. Anybody ever had a click moment? You know what I'm talking about? My prayer today is that there would be a click moment, and that you would get it today. You would get how to win spiritually against the attacks of the enemy against you. So Father, I pray that you would do so today. And as we read your word, as we listen to what you have to say, you would speak life and you would let it click in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So we started this series by talking about how we live on the earth and the earth is, you know, that's the realm we live in. And then there's a heavenly realm and there are powers in the heavenly realms. In the air, uh, the Bible calls them principalities and powers and spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. And then above that, remember we went back to Ezekiel and we talked about how above those powers, not just physically, but spiritually and metaphorically and in power, there is above all the spiritual forces that are out there, God sits enthroned. You remember that? God is the ultimate power and authority over all forces in the entire universe because he is the creator and sustainer of them all. So since God is the ultimate power and authority, the scripture says in Ephesians that we are seated with Christ in that heavenly realm. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have power in the heavenly realms above all the forces of darkness that would attack you as a person, as your family, and your mind, your thinking. We have authority over them because we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. So then we started talking about the fact that our position is up here, but our practices are where we fight against the enemy. And last week we talked about your armor, that God has given you an armor. And that armor is yours. It is a, a shield of faith, a helmet of salvation. We'll go through it in a second. But this armor is your protection against the enemy. And you only have against these forces of darkness, you have one weapon, and that weapon is the Word of God, and it is, this Word of God is empowered through your prayers and your praises. Y'all follow me? All right, so that's where we've laid out. With that being said, we're going to talk today about literally the battle of your mind and how we can win the battle of your mind, all right? 
So would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? Ephesians chapter six, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's what? Schemes. We've said this before. I will say it again. The only power the devil has is lies, deception, and schemes. When he lies, he speaks his native language. So if the devil tells you you're worthless, you know what? It's a lie. You are not worthless. If the devil tells you you're a loser, it's a lie. You're a winner. If the devil tells you you can't ever do anything good, it's a lie. God's set a plan for you, for your future. If the devil tells you you can't beat that sin, He's lying to you because you can beat the sin and and God's proving that. All right, are y'all following me here? The devil's power is schemes to get you to believe things about you that is not true. All right? So for our struggle, we do not fight against flesh and blood. Sarks there. We don't fight, fight against our flesh. And blood, or people's flesh, our fight, our fight is not against Facebook, but against rulers and authorities and against the powers of the dark world and against the spiritual forces of heaven, uh, of evil in the heavenly realms. So God has given us the victory over Satan's schemes. And what I want to talk to you about today is how you can live in victory over Satan's schemes. Now turn to somebody and tell them you're a winner, give them a big smile, and then you can be seated, all right? You're a winner, you're a winner. If you're watching online, you're a winner. So we talked last week about guarding your armor. And the armor we're heard about is in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Come on, without truth, you're going to get embarrassed, all right? With a breastplate of righteousness in place, right behavior protects your heart. Wrong behavior, sinful behavior will break your heart and expose you to abuse. Your feet fitted, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith. We talked about that with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And what is your power? What is the energy of the warrior? Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. All right, so that's the armor. And we learn that the devil is trying to steal your armor because for him, it is a way of showing his victory over you and declaring to God, nanny, nanny, boo-boo. But when you protect your armor against the enemy, when you protect your helmet of salvation, your shield of faith, you use the word of God. When you do those things, what you're doing is you're declaring to the devil, nanny, nanny, boo, boo. Take that devil. So the next thing we're to do is to guard our thoughts. I'm going to try to make this quick. But second Corinthians chapter 10, verse Three through five says, for we live in the world. We do not wage war as the world does. Can we talk for a second about this word world there? All right. Um, in the Greek, I was reading this and it, it doesn't say world. It says flesh. And 
One of the problems I have with Bible translations, sometimes Bible translations are so dynamic, they're trying to communicate themes that they skip themes because they don't think we can grab them. But it says this, though you live in the flesh. Do you all know what flesh is? The Greek word sarx. Sometimes it's translated spiritual nature. Sometimes it's carnal, whatever. Sarx literally means this, a chunk of meat. Now, I sat down to a meal the other day, and I had a chunk of meat in front of me. Come on. It wasn't ground. It was a chunk of meat, a real chunk of meat. Anybody ever eat a real chunk of meat? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And it wasn't a chicken breast either. Come on, this was cow, and it was a chunk of meat. And that is sarks. That's the meaning of sarks. When you do this to yourself, that's a chunk of meat. You are flesh. And it says you live in the flesh. You literally live in the flesh. Did y'all know that? You actually live in the flesh. You're, you're not some disembodied spirit. God wants to get glory. Hold on, hold on, wait, wait, wait. Listen to me. God wants to get glory through your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. God has a purpose for your body. I've talked to you this summer about identity a lot because we live in a world that struggles with identity and we're trying to identify ourselves with all kinds of labels. But I just want you to know that God gave you a body so that your body could glorify him. And though you live in this body, we don't fight like everybody else in bodies, in flesh. We don't wage war like everybody else. Because I hate to tell you this, if you believed in Jesus, you're weird. No, think about this. I, just think about it. You have put your faith in somebody you've never seen, that you claim died on a cross, was buried in a tomb, and resurrected on the third day. And you think it's real. It really happened. I believe it really happened. I can back that up logically and factually and all that kind of stuff. But the fact of the matter is, I wasn't there. I believe it by faith. You know what? That makes me weird. Could we just go ahead and embrace the fact that as a follower of Jesus Christ, you are weird? And if you'll go ahead and embrace that, then you don't have to think or act like everybody else in this culture because God gave you a special identity that you would be his special weird child believing in things you cannot see and trusting God for miracles that are beyond your wildest fantasy and God comes through. We're weird. It's all right to be weird. In Harvest Ridge, I set the bar low. The bar is real low. We can all get over because I, I, God accepts me. Your pastor sets a bar low. We're all weird. It's okay. But though you live in the flesh, you don't have to act like everybody else does that's in the flesh. And the weapons we fight with are not these weapons of the flesh. It's not how bad of an attitude we can get. It's not whether we can outsmart somebody or, come on, belittle right now. We got all kinds of keyboard warriors all over the world being total jerks behind the keyboard. That's the way the world fights right now. They cancel you. Come on, we don't cancel people in the kingdom of God. We pray them through to victory. Right? The weapons we fight with are not the same weapons everybody else does. On the contrary, our weapons have power to demolish strongholds. You ever stood on an ancient wall? You know one of those ancient walls that uh, the first time I did it, I was in Taiwan, 
and it was about a 40-foot wall, and it was wide enough at the top to drive a, a chariot around. And I stood on this wall, and I thought to myself, you know, if I'm a guy running up here on foot, and I look up, and it's a 40-foot wall, I'm not climbing over it. And they're up top, you know, with their chariots riding around, shooting arrows at me. I'm in trouble if I'm attacking a fortress. But I want you to know that we have power in the Holy Spirit, that the, the fortresses that Satan has raised in this culture, we have supernatural power to take those things like the walls of Jericho and go, whoop. We have power. How do we do this? <laughs> we demolish arguments and every pretension. Because the real battle of spiritual warfare doesn't happen out there somewhere, it happens in the six inches between your ears. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And, and that sets yourself up in the Greek means like a cell that's thrown up into the heavenly realms that keeps you from seeing the God who has delivered you and loves you. And you're seated with Christ, but you can't make connection. And what the devil's done is he's thrown up these thoughts and these attitudes in our hearts that keep us from connecting with our destiny in heaven. Sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And what do we do? This is how we win. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, the tools we're fighting with are not fleshly. Our tools are prayer, worship, and the word. Our tools are prayer, worship, and the word. Prayer is not so much us convincing God what we want him to do, but prayer is us talking with God about what he wants to do and then us aligning ourselves with him in prayer. Worship is when we elevate his purposes, his power, his glory, and the word is when we align our thinking with him by the revelation he has given us. We have divine power. The scripture says we have divine power. Jesus told his disciples, I have given you authority over every demonic power. I have given you authority. If you're a follower of Jesus and you say the name of Jesus, you have power over every power of darkness that comes against you. I don't care if it's fear. I don't care if it's doubt. I don't care if it's anxiety. I don't care if it is your lack or your lusts. Whatever it is, you have authority over it in the name of Jesus. He's the one who created all the demons. He's the one that created all the angels. And you know, God doesn't need more angels in heaven. He doesn't need your uncle to be an angel in heaven because if God wanted another angel in heaven, he would just make one. He made the first and the second batch anyway. He can make another batch if he wants to. So God's not taking people off the earth to make them angels. No, no, that's stupid. That's superstition and that's nowhere found in your Bible. Do you know why people die? People die because we get sick and we die. And if we are in God's love, we get to move from the warfare state to the seated state with God in heaven. Man, I'm looking forward to that. So Jesus saw Satan fall from heaven. <laughs> he, he's, Jesus didn't even kick him out. He just watched it happen because his word's more powerful than all of Satan's tricks. Because <laughs> truth always dispels a lie. Only if you'll believe it, though. So our fight then is not to run around driving out demons. 
Our fight is against the spiritual strongholds, or if you will, the pretensions in our head. Could you put that passage back up there? Our fight is against the pretensions. I think it says this way, arguments and pretensions. Arguments and pretensions. Now, these are, what are arguments and pretensions? I made a list of them. I made a list of like 25 of them. And then I came through my notes and I deleted them all. The reason I deleted them all is because every single one of them, every single pretension was you and I fighting to gratify our flesh rather than fighting for God's purposes. All right, you've never said this. You've never said this, but I'm a good salesman. I am a great salesman. You know what? I bet you're a good salesman too. I bet you're the best salesperson in the world. You know why? Because you have talked yourself into every stupid decision you've ever made. They didn't have to talk you into it because you went there ready. You had already said, I'm going to get a raise. I deserve this. So you bought it because you deserve it. Anybody ever say I deserve it other than me? Come on, somebody make me feel better that I'm not alone. I say I deserve it. As soon as I say I deserve it, I know I'm headed down the wrong path, right? Because I am talking myself into something. You talked yourself into buying it. You talked yourself into dating it. You talked yourself into smoking it. You talked yourself into eating it. You talked yourself into viewing it. You talked yourself into going when everybody was telling you don't. You came up with good reasons. You know what those are called? Arguments and pretensions. And you're arguing yourself into stupid. And do you know why you're arguing yourself into stupid? Because what you really, really want is to gratify your flesh. And your flesh, haven't we learned this already this year? That your flesh is at war against the spirit of God that's in you. And you're fighting. This fight happens between your ears when you start talking yourself into dumb. A couple of dumbs. You know, our culture is really good at narratives being more valuable than truth. Man, I wish I, I, wish I could talk to you about this. Can I tell you one? All right. I had a guy tell me one time, is a couple, and they told me, you're just stupid and old-fashioned. Everybody, everybody's in credit card debt. And I don't know what you think, that, that, where you think that credit card debt isn't normal. Well, let me tell you something. If credit card debt is normal, then normal is stupid. Because if you're paying 20% interest on food you've already pooped out, you are dumb. That's offensive. Some of you are looking at how dare he. I tell you, this is, this is why. I said it a little harsh because here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to think about why you think it's all right to be in debt to a credit card company. If you can pay the payments and the interest, couldn't you discipline yourself for a while to pay the payments and interest off so that you could have all the cash you're throwing at them plus the interest for you to spend, not for them to build a bigger building in downtown Cleveland? right? By the way, a little later on, that couple got out of debt. They got out of credit card debt and they came back to me and they said, we're so sorry. We were so stupid. We didn't even know what we were talking about. Because here's the deal. When you're talking yourself into stupid, you think you're right. How about this one? I had a guy tell me one time, 
dude, smoking pot's not addictive. Dude, there's no problem, man. Dude. <laughs> now, now listen to me real quick. Listen to me. Listen to me. If you're smoking pot recreationally, you are doing so to escape life. And when you escape life, the addiction may or may not be the pot. It's you. It's you. You're the issue. By the way, I, I've hung around with a few people. <laughs> uh, going back a few days. Uh, by the way, if you go to Walmart now, you know you smell it everywhere. So can we just deal with this? All right. All right. I've hung around with a few people that smoked a lot of pot in their life, and not one of them is more motivated to be a better person than they would be otherwise. I'm not lying to you. It may not be addictive, but I know 60-year-olds who can't function a day of their life without smoking. I'm not lying. Why are you so upset at me? I'll tell you why you're upset is because you want to do what you want to do and you don't like anyone telling you that you're not being smart. So you're selling yourself on being stupid. Can I give you one more? Does he do this stuff? If you're a guest, yes, he does. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I shared about a couple of Roman emperors named Nero and Hadrian that took prepubescent boys, prepubescent boys, castrated them and made them their sex slaves. That was, when I talked about that, there, there's an attitude that comes up. How dared they? That's so wrong. And if you don't get that they're so wrong, then we really need to have a talk. Now, I'm serious. If, if you think it's all right to molest and mutilate prepubescence, then you have a problem. You have a problem. There are people in this culture that have a problem. I, I, I knew a guy. Anyway, we won't talk about that. But, you know, most of us would say it's absolutely wrong to mutilate a prepubescent to castrate them and then rape them as a sex slave, right? We would say that's wrong, right? Right? Where, where do you base that right and wrong at? Where, where does that right and wrong come from? Who's the authority that said that's right or wrong? Well, well you know, culture says it's right or wrong. Really, really. Because if culture is what you're declaring to be the moral guideline of right and wrong, then you can't say it's right or wrong because Hadrian and Nero's culture said it was all right to do. So if you say culture is your guideline and we make the rules as a culture, you're a hypocrite because you don't want other people to do what you say is culturally wrong now, but yet you're saying culture is the authority, but yet you won't let them live in their same culture and let it be their authority. That makes you a hypocrite. Yes, I called you out. You're a hypocrite. Don't blame the church for being a hypocrite. You're big enough for all of us. So that being said, who then makes your, come on, does CNN tell you what's right or wrong? Does the World Health Organization? Who tells you what's right or wrong? Your teachers, your college professor? Come on, who tells you what's right and wrong? 
Unless you wrestle with this, you will live your life under a delusion, missing God's best for you because God made you to be special and to think like him so you can fulfill his purposes for your life. This scripture properly interpreted will tell you where the guidelines and the boundaries of right and wrong are. And when I say properly interpreted, I, I'm all for reading your verse of the day on the YouVersion Bible app. I am all for your streak, you know, of reading a verse or at least looking at it. But let me tell you something. If all you're doing is reading one verse a day, you are not internalizing the word of God. You heard about the guy that did this, right? God, I need you to talk to me. Judas went out and hanged himself. No, I, I don't like that one. I don't like that. I don't like that. God, God, I need you to talk to me. God, talk to me. You ready? That type. Go thou and do likewise. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Read the scripture, study the scripture, spend time with the scripture. You know why most Christians are getting their tail ends whipped by the devil? Because your Bible knowledge is an infant level Bible knowledge. And you cannot fight adult battles with infant level knowledge. We are functionally illiterate in the scriptures and we trust everyone else to do our scriptural understanding for us. Why don't you open up the word of God and internalize it and read it and study it for yourself so that you can actually have a weapon against the devil's strongholds that are coming against you? He said all that. You know, can I, can I tell you a fun story? Fun story. We traveled down to Springfield, Missouri, dropped my daughter off at college, and we're on our way back. We're on our way back, and we get right outside St. Louis. I was on the phone talking some business, and my wife is on her phone buying something else. <laughs> it was a good purchase, that one was. But, you know, we're doing our thing, and I'm talking and driving, and she's talking and on the phone and doing her stuff, and we're going along. And right outside of St. Louis on Interstate 70, your goal is to get to Indianapolis to get here, and then you go north from there. But we're headed towards Indianapolis. But there is this split in the road where Interstate 55 goes north to Chicago. Now, we're going to figuratively call Chicago hell. <laughs> if you've ever been there, you would agree. Anyway, <laughs> no. So anyway, I'm driving down the road, and you know what I did? I wasn't paying attention, and you know what I did? I started on the highway to hell. All my friends are going there with me. And I'm driving really fast. And you know, I said to my wife, I looked over at her a few minutes later. I said, man, we're really making good time here. And that's how a lot of us are in our thinking. We're making really good time on the highway to hell. All the while, God has a different place for you to go and a different space for your brain to live in. And it's a space where he made you to be free not to live encumbered by all of the lies and schemes of the devil that are trying to steal your freedom and trying to steal away from you your life. 
So you know what I had to do? I had to repent and turn around and go back to anyway. <laughs> you know what you're doing when you're going the wrong way? What do you have to do? You have to turn around. You have to repent. You have to go the right way, right? You want to win the battle against the strongholds in your mind, against the arguments and pretensions? You have to quit defending the lies Satan is telling you. <laughs> Sorry, because the answer is obedience. And it says that right there. It may take every what? Every, how many thoughts? Every one of your thoughts need to be made obedient to Christ. Every thought. That means the things you're trying to justify. That means the things you're trying to defend. That means the things that are in opposition to God's best for your life. That means your own self-doubts. Make it obedient to Christ. So how do you do that? Well, we do that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your body. So it starts with you laying down your bodies as a living sacrifice. You have to give up yourself. At some point, we need to offer we need to submit our thinking, our lives, every part of us to God's authority. To offer your bodies, my flesh, my sarks is God's. If God wants me to suffer with my body, I will be okay with that. That's something American Christianity doesn't say to you. But I want you to hear, God may ask you to do things with your body that hurt you physically, but free you spiritually. Anybody that's ever quit alcohol or drugs or tobacco knows exactly what I'm talking about. And offer your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And do not conform. Come on. At its heart and soul, Christianity is a rebellion movement. <laughs> we do not conform to the pattern of this world. Come on, we are different. God made us different. I am, I'm one of those guys, if you sit me in a chair and you force me in a chair, I may be forced sitting in that chair like I was a kid. You know what I'm doing? I'm saying I'm standing up on the inside because at the heart of me, there's a rebellion saying, you can't make me do something I don't want to do. And I will say to this world, I am resisting you. You can't make me like you because I am a child of the king. And then you do last thing, you need to transform. Transform. How do you transform your mind? You need to fill your mind with the truth of God's word. You need to talk spiritual to yourself. <laughs> Somebody, I, I, I said, talk spiritual to yourself. And you were going somewhere else with a song in your head. I know you were. Yeah, a couple of you smiling. <laughs> You know, you know what you need to do? You need to talk spiritual to yourself. You need to start talking to yourself in Scripture. You need to start talking to yourself. You need to start talking. You know what some of us do? Anybody ever have, you'll see it, NFL football. You'll see it. The quarterback, cornerback here, he's in his position, and they're down 28 to nothing, and he's been beaten four times by the same receiver, but all of a sudden the receiver goes across, and he catches the ball, and this guy just him really good and the ball pops out and he'll get up and he'll start bad mouthing him about how tough he is and how the receiver's no good. The score is 28 to nothing and this guy losing is talking smack to somebody that's already beaten him. And that's how a lot of us are with the devil. We have already won in Christ Jesus and we let the devil do all the smack talking. 
You're listening to the devil smack talk you all the time. Isn't it about time for you to stop that? You're listening to him smack talk. There's a story, it's in Samuel. And David, you remember this story, David and Goliath? There was the big, Goliath came out for 40 days, and he's like, I'm going to kill all you Israelites, you lousy, no good for nothing people. I mean, you're circumcised, you're weird. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to give your body to the birds. And David shows up one day, and he's like, why is the, that dude talking so much? And why are you cowering in fear? You know, the devil's going to fill your brain with all kinds of lies about you. And if you let him, you will cower in fear. Do you know what David did? David said this, 1 Samuel chapter 17, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword and the spear and the javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord's going to give you into my hands. I'm going to strike you down and cut off your head. And this very day, I'm going to give the carcasses of you and all your Philistine buddies into the birds of the air and the wild animals and the whole world will know there's a God in heaven. You know what's going on here? David is smack talking the devil back. That's why he wrote all those Psalms is saying, I know what I feel, but I know God is bigger than it all. You know what we need some of? Some of us need some smack talk. We need to start smack talking the devil. Oh, you tell me I'm a loser? Christ says that I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. You're going to tell me I'm no good and I can never accomplish anything? Well, God says that God has already prepared for me the works I'm to do before I was ever born. So take that, devil. You tell me I can't win? You tell me I'm a loser? You tell me God doesn't love me? The Bible tells me that I am the apple of his eye and whoever touches me, he's watching out for me. Come on, when was the last time you smack talked the devil back? Not very often, you know why? Because most of you haven't hidden God's word in your heart enough to know how to fight back. And we're losing the battle because we're trying to fight carnally by taking more drugs and going to see more counselors. And I'm not opposed to either one of them. But if you are fighting a spiritual battle, all the counseling and all the drugs in the world will not set you free from your anxiety. If you're fighting a spiritual battle, as a matter of fact, even if you are fighting a physical battle, and the drugs might help, but you'll still not win until you win spiritually. I feel like I'm fighting today. You know why I'm fighting? Because I want you to be free. I'm sick of watching you getting your butts kicked by the devil and this culture and this world and rolling over and taking it. Stop it. What happens if you don't fight back? Romans 1.28, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, because you don't fight it in your brain, you don't transform your thinking in your brain, you give up the knowledge of God. So God lets them go over to a depraved mind. Things will only get worse. We see this all the time in our culture. People who give up, they get more and more depraved. And by the way, I know a few things about people with addictions. And I will tell you that you will never be satisfied with an addiction. It will only make you want more. I don't care if it's porn or alcohol or drugs or exercise. I don't care if it's food or cutting or whatever it is. If you think it's going to help, it will not help. It will only lead you to more of the behavior because your flesh will never be satisfied 
Your spirit has to win. All right, so final quote, and then, then I'm going to wrap this up, all right? Band's coming. Christians live defeated because of either the lies they believe or the lifestyle they choose. If you believe the devil's lies, you will lose. If you continue to make wrong choices, initially you make your choices, but eventually your choices make you. Somebody asked me one time, said, can a demon, can a Christian have a demon? And I said, I think a Christian can have anything they want. God will give you anything. He's given you freedom to choose. You can have anything you want. Do you want freedom or do you want bondage? Where are you at in your life? Are you tired of living in bondage to the lies of the enemy? Are you ready to be free? Are you ready? Let me tell you how you do it. First of all, you need to submit. If you haven't submitted your life to Jesus Christ, you have not submitted your life to Christ. You will never win because you are still a child under the bondage of this world. You need to give your life to Jesus Christ, period. And then Christ will raise you up and seat you in the heavenly realms where you're a victor too. So could we just stop real quick? Could we just bow our heads around this room? I wanna ask a question. You have not given your life to Christ. Today is your day. Today is your day to give your life to Christ. Today is your day. You know God is calling you. It's time for you to, to stop, for you to give your life to him. If that's you, I would like you to raise your hand really high right now in this room. Yes. Are there others? Yes. 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 Today is your day to leave behind a life of sin and to follow Jesus with all your heart. Could everybody pray this prayer with me? Everybody together, out loud. Nobody prays alone at Harvest Ridge. We're a family. We love one another. Could we all say this prayer together? Dear Jesus, I give you my life. Please redeem me from all my sin, from all my bad thoughts and my way of living and put in me your Holy Spirit, your life and your freedom. I accept Jesus. I make you my Lord. Thank you for receiving me. Amen. Now you prayed that prayer. You meant that prayer. God heard. You are now seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. You are a victor and a winner in Christ. You don't have to go back. You have already overcome. Now the rest of us, here we go. You're in a spiritual battle. Maybe it's you, maybe it's your family, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's some habits you're in. Maybe it's somebody you love. You're tired of watching them lose. I want to invite you today to fight a spiritual war. I want to invite you to do it. We've already heard the word of God. So I want you to apply it. God, if my thinking is wrong, I want you to change it. Begin to speak to me. I will submit my excuses to your truth. Okay? Then we're going to praise we're going to lift our eyes and we're going to declare that God is bigger than all the powers of this world and all the problems we face. And then we're going to pray 
And we're going to say, okay, God, it is time for you to step in. I want you to change it. I need you to change it. I need you to move. I need you to change me. Show me how to overcome. Show me to be a victor. And what we're going to do is we're going to take a few minutes. We're going to sing a song. And there are some of you in this room, you don't need to sit in that chair. You need to come to this altar. There are a lot of you. You need to come and you need to either bow your knee or take a stand or face the corner and just pray like you mean it and pour out your heart to God because it is time for you to stop losing. It is time for you to stop losing. It is time for you to stop losing. God has more for you than losing. He wants you to be a winner. He wants you to live his fullness. He wants you to walk in his power. We're going to stand right now, and if you need to come to these altars, do so. Please don't go running away. Come on, fight these battles right now, we pray.